What if I told you that there's a cure for chronic pain? Yes, for that pain you were told you would just have to manage. And what if I told you that that cure is already inside of you? Would you believe me? Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast, where we talk about how to truly alleviate chronic suffering. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and I'm so pleased to be here with you today for episode number 16 with the lovely Lorraine Feindrich. So we have a wonderful conversation about all things pleasure and joy and reawakening the sense of aliveness in the body. So really coming back in and feeling those sensations again feeling the feelings rather than thinking them like so many of us do. And Lorraine is a coach who works with Radiant Life Design and she works particularly with women and female pelvic pain, mostly due to her own experiences healing her pelvic pain. Uh, But there's a lot in this episode for everyone no matter what you experience, there's, she has some really great insights into emotions and the aliveness of the body and the shame we can feel around, particularly the pelvic area. And it's a great double story. We've got uh, Lorraine shares her recovery story as well as her insights around coaching and the work she does So it's another wonderful example of the ways that you have the power to really heal yourself. And Lorraine is super interesting because she actually healed herself before coming across the mind-body space and before coming across Sano. So a lot of the approaches she uses, they now integrate Sano, but they've come from a place of her own journey and her own understanding. So she has a slightly different take on things so really worthwhile listening to and I just love this focus on pleasure and joy as a way to find safety in our bodies because as we get into in the episode so often we're just so busy scanning for danger or things that are scary or painful that we forget about the good things and we forget about the way our bodies can feel really good And I know even for me, still, I find when things feel really, really good, that really super expansive feeling I get in my chest, it's probably one of the emotions I'm still uncomfortable with, actually. Um, Even though joy was one of the first ones I got back, it's, it's still not comfortable. I'm still working on it. But yeah, there's a lot of energy that we can begin finding in our bodies again. And it does take a really long time to really unlock this energy. And for me, it's as I've been doing this journey now for years and I, I don't have chronic pain, but I'm finding more and more things in my body and more and more sensations and energy and aliveness. And anyway, so this is something that you can really get into even after the pain has healed if you want. But I do also have to say really quickly uh there is an adult content warning on this episode i think i cover mature topics in every episode but this one in particular because we do talk a lot about pleasure and sexual pleasure and so 
So just be aware of that if you have children around and you're playing it in the car or whatever, that that's a topic of conversation that we will cover. But otherwise, I'll play my disclaimer and then we'll get on to the episode. Oh, and yes, I have to say as well, I mumbled pretty much all the way through this episode as well. There have been a couple earlier on in the year and I will just say it's because I recorded them all while I was pregnant. I was very um, tired and very blocked up in my nose and my face. But anyway, I've mumbled. It is what it is. Releasing that perfectionism. Just warning you. Um, anyway, on to my disclaimer and then the episode. I am a provisional psychologist with my PhD or my doctorate in education, but I'm not a medical doctor. So all of the content that I provide about mind-body healing in any medium, including but not limited to this podcast and my social media channels, is for informational purposes only. No content provided by me is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. The purpose is to promote broad understanding and knowledge of various health topics. If you choose to use any information provided by me, you do so solely at your own risk. Always seek the guidance of your doctor or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding your health or medical condition. Do not embark on a mind-body healing journey until you have the clearance from your healthcare practitioner to do so, until you have discussed how to apply mind-body healing to your own individual case. The methods discussed by guests on the show are not necessarily endorsed by me. Welcome to the Let's Talk Mind Body Healing podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Jaramus, and today I'm here with Lorraine. And I did ask how to pronounce her name, but now I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> Fainrich? Fainrich? Yes, perfect. Oh, yes. great. <laughs> um, who specializes in mind body health and pain relief for women, and particularly in the area of pelvic pain relief. Um, so, this should be a really great um, conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't really We've had a little bit of pelvic pain on the podcast, but not a lot. So um, Lorraine, just get started. Um, could you start by introducing yourself to our listeners? Yes. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm excited to be here. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a mind, body, pelvic health and pain relief coach. And I specialize in helping women relieve pelvic and sexual pain and also reclaim a healthy relationship with their sexuality and pleasure. Um, yeah. And I, should I, yeah. So that's. Mm. Um, okay. So I guess what, would you like to talk more about what got you into that sort of work first sure, or yes. more about that work that you do? No. Yeah. I can share a little bit about my story. So, okay, um, so yeah. Yes. So, so I actually, um, so I relieved vulvodynia, which is a type of pelvic pain, um, Mm -hmm. and using a mind body approach, but I actually did that before I had officially heard of TMS or John Sarno or read any of the books. So Mm -hmm. like my full story starts, uh, 
think in my 20s, which is about 30 years ago, I was working for an accounting firm and I was a CPA and I was really unhappy. Um, and I started having health issues like migraines and anxiety and like some heart stuff and things that doctors were like, you're fine. There's nothing wrong. We can't figure out, you know, anything mm -hmm. to do about this. And um, I ended up leaving my job and started exploring things that made me happy. So I started taking psychology courses and art courses and um, started studying yoga and meditation. And really within a few months, all of those symptoms were gone. Um, and so I had no official training, but that was my first real like, oh my gosh, like, I guess my first understanding of how what I perceived as what you're doing in your life and how happy you are impacts your body and your health. Mm. So that sort of set me down a path of um, really diving into studying yoga and meditation. I became a massage therapist. I studied naturopathic medicine and nutrition. And then I became a life coach. And I think because of my background, I was really working with women mostly on like the, I wasn't calling it mind body at the time, but like the vibrational kind of um, life causes of all different kinds of health issues. Mm. Um, and then in 2010, I started having, I started with first chronic yeast infections for about a year and I used like nat natu natural approaches to that, herbs and acupuncture and um, diet changes. Mm. And the yeast infections went away and then I started having chronic vulvar pelvic pain. Um, and I obviously went to the doctors. No, do I, I didn't go too far down the medical path because of my background. So okay, I, yeah. yeah, so I wasn't getting answers and I actually had my, the last appointment I went to was a gynecologist who told me that even though there was no um, bacteria in my tests that she thought I should do antibiotics for a year. And I had just gotten over a year's worth of yeast infections. So I was like, yeah, I'm not her. doing that. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Way. <laughs> no way. So um, I just went home and I was like, feeling pretty desperate and not knowing what I was going to do. And I could really feel all the struggle and resistance in my body, which I knew was going to prevent me from being able to relieve my symptoms. So I mm -hmm. made a decision to stop, look, stop going to doctors and to stop resisting the pain and to start getting curious about how my body might be trying to help me. Um, yeah. And this, and the pain was gone again within probably a few months, maybe not totally gone for a little longer than that, but much, much better. Um, and then of course I started attracting women into my practice who also had pelvic pain symptoms um, and had diagnosis of vulvodynia and probably a year or so after that, I read the mind body prescription um, and <clears throat> just dove into reading Sarno's books and read Unlearn Your Pain by Howard Schubner 
and it was so validating of mm, what my been. experience was <laughs> and you know it makes such a big difference to have medical doctors also say, saying yeah this is emotional so I started incorporating those principles in with the different things I had done to relieve my pain um, and started focusing on helping women relieve pelvic pain so how amazing I just have to say how amazing that you kind of found the solution without even knowing this world that you were able to stop and follow your intuition and that's just amazing I think that you were able to put all those pieces together yourself because I know for me I had to read a million different books before I could even explore the idea that this could be mind body you know so how amazing yeah. to, be able to do that yeah I mean I think I was kind of doing it for a long time before I got the symptoms and I had used that approach with other things so I was kind of baby stepping my way there mm. I think you know I had a lot of the background that a lot of people who end up with chronic pain and then find t- a TMS or mind body approach they don't they don't have those things yet. So I already had coaching skills, like how to work with thoughts. I already had skills on how to be in my body and feel my emotions. And it was kind of just putting the pieces together. Mm. Yeah. Something you said there that I really liked, start getting cute, like before, start getting curious about how my body is trying to help me. Yeah. It's just, it yeah. really is the, the key. It's your body sending you a message of some sort. We just have to learn how to hear it I think yes 100% and I think that while there's a lot of valuable things in our medical approach a big takeaway is that not to trust your body to be scared of your body to it you is. know worry about things that are going to go wrong in your body to go to experts about your body and we never learn that like, you know, our bodies are a hundred percent on our side and it actually makes a lot of sense when you get back to the earlier subtle communications, like a little tension here, a little low energy there and things that we just kind of mask and ignore that actually are guidance from our body. Like maybe this isn't the exact right thing for you go this way or yeah that kind of thing yeah I think it's not just medically that's kind of right throughout our lives like we have to go to school sit down at the desk don't move for an hour you know be quiet and it doesn't really matter what you're feeling you have to kind of ignore it you can't go to the toilet until the toilet break you can't this kind of like ignore your body be in your mind yes sit down focus right from kind of day one yeah 100% it's a real unlearning I think um okay here's a good one I like to ask people this one before we move on so how have you or how has your life changed since doing the personal or like inner work to become pain-free how would you kind of describe yourself afterwards compared to before well I think I would say for like it's an evolving journey for me Mm. um but for sure uh, healing my pain this way has just really developed a solid uh, relationship with my body and my intuition, uh, trusting myself, loving myself so much more. So, I mean, really everything, everything in my life is better. I feel like things 
like what happens in my body and with my emotions makes sense to me now. I don't feel, I think before, um, I didn't feel as safe inside myself. I felt like I was mm -hmm. looking for something outside of myself to bring me happiness. So it's just, yeah, a lot of things. I'm more confidence, more joy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really and big one. So yeah, like so I feel like, you know, for sure our my symptoms were definitely a huge blessing. And I know it's hard for people to believe that that can be possible when they're in so much pain, but I think that having symptoms that the medical system can't help you with forces you down a different path that is transformative in so many ways. Yeah, that's usually I think it's a kid once you get it's really hard to see it when you're in it but when you get yeah. to the other side and you stop and you look back and you go wow like you know as you were saying I feel safer in my body I can understand my emotions they make sense to me now I can understand how to meet my own needs I'm more confident all those sorts of things and it's like it's enormous but I'm still the same person you know I'm still me I'm just a karma calmer as well you know a bit more yes, in touch yeah. yeah more more you probably I mean that's more I guess you, a good yeah. way to say it. more me <laughs> because exactly what right. you were saying before about our conditioning from when we're young is just like don't be you you know don't move when you want to move don't say anything if you're not going to say something good don't be happy don't be angry don't be sad be happy all the time just whatever the conditioning is it's always teaches us that we shouldn't be who we are and so we learn all these our brain really learns all these strategies that suppress who we are um that's such a big one to too that you just said don't be happy I mean don't be sad be happy all the time sadness yes. is a natural emotion and happiness only exists because sadness exists if all we yeah. were was happy we wouldn't know the difference mm. so it's really important to to be sad when you need to be sad Yes, <clears throat> absolutely. I mean, actually, so a big part of my work that I'm so passionate about is helping women reclaim their emotions because our, um, like all of our emotions are such a gift, you know, mm -hmm. then they all, they serve a function, they bring us guidance, they're our intuition, they're literally like our life force energy moving through our body, as is our sexual energy. But all of those things feel like they make us feel. And because in order to not feel, we've mostly dissociated from our bodies and are all living in our heads until our pain gets loud enough. It's like, come back, yes. <laughs> come back in here. There's, it's calling, there's it's calling you here. home, your pain. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that was certainly a big thing for me was being completely disconnected from all of that it was interesting because I had a lot of my symptoms I had a lot of issues like neck wise and I think that was mm -hmm. like it was literally my body saying there's a block right here you're not moving below your neck ever to like oh see yeah this. interesting it was literally yeah. like you are blocked and congested here like get you know so yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely um Okay, so we'll move on now a little bit more and talk about the work you do with women. I think one of the things that makes your work a little bit different um, is particularly your focus on uh, finding pleasure. Um, so how does pleasure or leaning into pleasure help people get out of pain? 
Oh, yeah. So this is a great question that I could really talk a long time about. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, also, first I'll say that back at the very beginning when I created, you know, after I'd relieved my symptoms and I was coaching women who had to help them relieve pelvic pain and vulvodynia, um, and then I learned about Sarno, I put together a program and mm-hmm. I, and it was really a combination of TMS work, things I had done. And, um, and so it was really like, it is still, it still exists, uh, working with your thoughts, how to feel emotions in your body, how to tell the difference between thoughts and like emotional energy or sensation in your body. Um, you know, all the science behind mind body healing, uh, tools to help you feel safe in your body. And then I added a session on reclaiming your sexual self and Mm -hmm. pleasure. Um, because that was actually a big part of like kind of my own personal growth work that I had done. And, um, and also a big part of what, uh, when I was communicating with my body, a lot of the guidance I was getting was around um, healing shame and conditioning around my sexuality Mm -hmm. and around pleasure that was impacting how it was showing up in my relationship. Um, So I added that into the course and basically it was like, so I'm working with women who have pelvic and sexual pain. It was their favorite part of the course because even if they weren't dissociated from their sexuality before they had pelvic pain, which almost every woman is, they were so far disconnected after going to do- having pain for so long and all the different tests and the treatments and just all the stuff that the medical system was putting them through. That you'd is up, like really. You end up pretty afraid of that. That's a area I don't yeah. go near. That's a, that's painful. That's yeah Yeah. and I mean we have so much shame around our sexuality in general as women and fear shame and fear you know so I um I was raised Catholic and the first thing like when I started having pelvic symptoms it took me a long time to even go to a doctor because I like the shame was so deep that there was like this like this is punishment for, you know, having sex or this is it like, just like not rational kinds of like deep conditioning stuff around feeling like really shameful around the pain itself. Mm-hmm. So I started helping women first. And, and then the other thing that can happen when we have pelvic pain or any kind of pain is that we get so focused on pain and literally our ability to perceive pleasure we're just not focusing on it anymore so it kind of atrophies I feel like like you know yeah so so partly it's about like learning how to feel positive sensations of well-being and aliveness in your body again and training yourself to focus on that more than than just the pain adding things back into your life that feel good now because for a lot of people with pain oh, I'm not myself. I can't do anything that brings me joy anymore. So it's kind of like being in the moment and being present and creative and like, well, from where I am now, what does feel good, which is really requires connecting more to your body, which is the opposite of what people who are in pain want to do, right? They want to escape (laughs) their body. Um, so pleasure in general, but then, you know, in mind body TMS work and Sarno's brilliant 
you know, theory, which is that our brain is protecting us from emotions that it finds threatening. So for mm -hmm. women, in my experience, if you multiply that by like a million, that's about how our brains are reacting to our sexual energy in our body. So I'd be working with women. We do the emotion part first, because before you can really start connecting with your sexuality, you have to have some ability to feel emotions because yeah. emotions are going to come up when you start connecting with your. Yeah. And um, yeah. So really like looking at all of that energy is getting stuck in health in the pelvis for a lot of women contributing to pelvic floor tension and just danger, da brain, brain's creating pain because of it senses danger, um, lack of education around our sexuality and images of what it's supposed to look like. Just so there's a oh, lot yeah. of like, which doesn't feel good to most women. So it's like, no. it's like <laughs> the sex ed that we all should have had and never did in a really healthy, positive, you know, life enhancing way that honors a woman's body and what actually brings her pleasure. And in order to start doing that, we first have to probably usually face and work with a lot of the conditioning around that, which for most women is, you know, we can have condition, religious conditioning, um, just our conditioning is we're supposed to be pleasing a partner or ple just pleasing other people is so wired into women that focusing on our own pleasure in, in anywhere in our life uh, can be challenging, so. Yeah, I yeah. definitely still feel that the kind of pressure to make sure other people are happy before I, you know, fit in my own needs. It's a, it's a huge kind of societal pressure on, on women generally. It's, it is difficult, even still for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what sort of activities do you encourage people to explore to? Because I know it's more than just sexual pleasure. It's pleasure in all forms of life. So what sorts yeah. of activities do you encourage people to sort of explore? What sort of things can people listening try? Oh, well, I guess the first thing is to just kind of go through a brainstorming exercise on mm. what brings you pleasure. And so, like first to say that to, to know if you're feeling pleasure, I think similar to emotions, um, a lot of people are thinking about what brings them pleasure. It's a mental thing, but when you, but you have to really be in your body to know if you're feeling pleasure because pleasure is like, oh, tingling sensations up your spine or kind of an expansive bubbling sensation in your chest or like, so learning how to tell from your body what feels mm -hmm. like pleasure and then kind of being like a pleasure researcher, you know, like what, when, what things create that for me. And usually starting really small, like it might just be going outside and feeling the sun on your face for a minute or resting, letting yourself rest, but just like really enjoy rest, not like as a pleasurable thing, not with all the like you negative self-talk that usually comes with that. Guilt or... about I'm lazy or. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you always feel guilty. <laughs> totally. Um, dancing like 
even just listening to music that you enjoy, but it doesn't even have to be what you consider dancing, but kind of just letting your body move in a way that feels good to music that you enjoy, like really small things. Okay. Reading, if you like reading, smelling flowers, being outside in nature, painting. Um, sometimes I'll suggest, you know, if you have no idea, go to a bookstore and see what sections in the bookstore you're drawn towards, you know, like, do you like the travel section? Get a book on travel. Do you, you know, do you go to gravitate toward the art books or the history books or um, the magazine section is great. So um, yeah, just really exploring what brings you pleasure is the first thing. And then I have, and then they make a list and then trying to have a few pleasure breaks in your day. So starting really small with just, okay, I'm gonna schedule three times or I'm gonna take a two minute pleasure break, which might mean I'm gonna just tune in to my breath and breathe in a pleasurable way or go outside or listen to music um, and then build up from there. It really makes a huge difference, I think. Um, it does I still remember the first time because I was so disconnected I didn't feel pleasure either and I remember the first time I felt it it was I think that was one of the first emotions actually that I kind of connected to when I was going through my journey I remember how powerful it was to feel that as you describe it that bubbling sensation in uh -huh. my chest and yeah. mine was coming home to see my husband I was I was like oh uh -huh. my god I'm so happy to be like home and so happy yeah. that my husband's home and it's like I've like never felt this before ever in all the time we've been together like it was it was crazy yeah, yeah. it's exciting too though right I mean I think mm. it's really exciting to start reclaiming parts of yourself um, it is and when we dissociate to avoid the pain and the discomfort we lose all the good stuff too we do we certainly do could you imagine what it would be like if you went to your doctor and they prescribed you pleasure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there are some doctors that are starting to do that, actually, like more mm. lifestyle medicine doctors. I think I read a study about doctors in Europe somewhere prescribing nature walks or um, listening to music, things like that. Cause the research is starting to show, I mean, those things it have a positive, is. yeah, on everything, our nervous system and all, all, all kinds of stuff happening in our physiology. I have a friend who recently moved from like the city to the country and I'd been saying to her for ages that people who live in the city are starved of nature they just don't know it and she's like no 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 I'm a city girl no 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 but she moved for her job and she's like oh my god I love the country <laughs> I've missed nature and I was like told you <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah definitely okay so just I was having a squiz at your website before we started uh -huh. Um, and one of the things you talk about, which I also think is quite unique for the mind-body space, is the concept of the soul. So can you tell uh, me about how you connect that with pain and healing? Oh, yes. One of my favorite topics, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's, you know, so my perception of emotions, so once you separate out that 
most people who think they're feeling emotions are actually thinking about emotions, yes. right? Yeah. So a lot of people are like, and this was my experience, actually, I'm so emotional, like I'm, and I'm always telling people how I feel, but even those people usually are in the words of the emotion. They're not feeling the sensations mm. of the emotion. In it's interesting because even traditional psychology, um, sort of reinforces reinforces that, that with yeah. cbt how it's all about your thoughts and changing your thoughts but yes. um i was reading a study it wasn't that long ago that actually your emotions that from your body that come up cha can change your thoughts too so you can't actually top down regulate all the time either so anyway oh, that's very cool <laughs> yeah thank you for saying yeah that's cool um all right so so we have emotional energy is what mm -hmm. I, so that's what I'm talking about emotions. I'm talking about the sensations of emotions that we feel in our body and pleasure is the same thing, the sensations of pleasure. And um, it's really our life force energy moving through our body in different ways. And this is a kind of a concept that I got from Carla McLaren. Um, she wrote a book called The Language of Emotions, which I really love. Oh, yes, I've read that one. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So she talks about um, how the soul communicates through emotions and we feel that as sensations in our body and then like in a healthy psychology our mind would be interpreting those sensations as our guidance from our soul so the simple way to say that is in my experience our emotions <clears throat> are our wisdom from our soul it's like the way that the bigger non-physical energy part of us is guiding us all the time. And we experience that as sensations in our body. Mm -hmm. So when we're dissociated from our body, we're dissociated from what actually does keep us safe in our life, which is our connection to that bigger part of ourselves. Um, so I teach women uh, or, and I myself use that as a way to get guidance. So very, just very directly, like after, after feeling emotions in your body um, and welcoming them and learning how to let them expand and move through your body, then asking them for like asking, asking your emotions for guidance. And I just, yeah, I feel like that's where our, in that's what our intuition and our is inner wisdom is. And some people call it soul. Some people call it source. Some people call it spirit. I mean, it really doesn't, it's just the bigger part of ourselves. Um, and when, when you start to have that experience, it really transforms how you see your emotions. It's not like, it's not like there are no negative emotions. It's not just about, it's not about getting emotions out. It's not about getting rid of them. It's really like embracing our aliveness, like embracing what it actually feels like to be human in our body, which is an experience of sensation and energy moving through our body. Um, and that connects us to our, the deeper wisdom that we all have. I really do like the concept of the deeper wisdom because I think even in myself learning to listen to that and go with that instead of my thoughts, because often your thoughts aren't, don't, don't agree with what's happening in your body. And when you, when I started going more with what was happening in my body, I started feeling happier, you know, and it was like, yes. my life got better, actually, even yeah, though yeah. Like, I never would have gone that way if I was just going with what was in my head. Yeah. 
easier. Like I used to be somebody who would, who took a really long time to make a decision. I had to ask everybody else what they thought, but now I'm so connected to myself that it's just like, I just know if it's a yes or a no. And mm -hmm. so, and I trust it. So even if it's not logical, if I'm getting a yes, that's what I do and vice versa um, makes things simpler. Yeah. I still hate decisions, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll try well, asking you I'll get there. <laughs> Uh, okay so what are generally from your experience in working with lots of women over the years the major hurdles for people in healing or are there any well yeah I mean getting their focus off their symptoms is the first one I mean I think there's different hurdles along the way mm. so the first is usually learning how to not focus on, on the symptoms and worry about them as much. Um, and I think a lot of people, a lot of people think I have to believe that it's mind body. And I know to some extent that that's important, but then I think that also feeds into that. I don't believe a hundred percent. So now I'm not going to yes. read my symptoms. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm like, you don't have to believe just do the, just use the tools. Like, mm. I really think that uh, learning how to make peace with where you are, because so that was my, that's what I did initially. And really for me, that came from, I don't know if you've heard of Abraham Hicks, it's law of attraction um, type teaching. No, and I haven't actually. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that I was working with women to heal health issues mm -hmm. in a, a kind of a vibrational emotion-based way. Um, I was really using a lot of their principles, which is, I mean, the simplest way to say it, although it's much more in depth than this, is what you resist persists. Yep. And when you struggle with stuff, you're basically cementing it in place. So that's kind of where I got with my pelvic pain symptoms. And I was like, I, I have to drop the resistance to this. And that can be different for everybody. But fine like what works to help you drop the resistance. For me, it was just deciding for now, this isn't working. I'm going to start trusting my body. So what if I just imagine that my body's on my side and I start getting curious about how these symptoms might be here to help me instead of trying to fix them and get rid of them. Um, or, you know, for now, for now, the symptoms are here and I'm doing the deeper work that's going to heal the underlying mm -hmm. patterns. Um, so that's probably the biggest one. I think learning how to not stop focusing on your symptoms. Cause that's kind of impossible, but stop going down the catastrophizing and worrying and obsessing and researching and trying to figure it out and start to learn how to bring your attention, shift your attention in a different way. Like, mm -hmm just being in your body for one, just feeling sensations in your body. Um, I like, um, I like, uh, like if you imagine that you're in a boat and you're paddling really hard upstream and then you imagine just letting go of the oars and letting the current just take you where you wanna go. I use that image in my own life a lot when I'm struggling against things. Mm, just let it go. That's a nice image actually. 
I quite like a good visualization. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's probably really, the biggest one. I really like, like what you said there about even if you don't 100% believe what you're doing right now isn't working. Well, so why not give this process a go, surrender to it, see if it's see if it will work, you know? Yeah. Mm. yeah and also, I don't think things have to be 100% mind-body in order for no. mind-body approach to make a significant difference because creating safety in your body and learning how to feel your emotions and all of that is going to have a significant positive impact, even if there is a physiological component, although it's kind of an artificial separation anyway, because we're completely. just, yeah. I say it's completely artificial because it doesn't matter what the pain, what sort of pain it is, where it comes from, it all comes from your brain. Even if you break your leg, it's up to the brain yeah. to decide how much pain you're going to get. You know, you hear those Absolutely. stories of if you're getting chased by a tiger and you break your leg, I can guarantee your leg's probably not going to hurt until you're away from that tiger. Like, because your yeah. brain has decided it's safer to keep running. So it's kind of like. And, and also you can have pain when there isn't anything physically wrong. Like completely. Somebody, yeah, totally. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, it's always an artificial separation in my mind. They work together. There's no. Yeah. So, ah, oh, there's something else you said that I wanted to ask you about. I think I've just lost it. <laughs> okay, there was something I did want to get into to talk a little bit about more. We've talked about it, we've touched on it um, throughout, but I might just ask it out right in case there's anything else you want to add to it. So, why is it that so many women lack pleasure in their lives? So, what how have we ah. gone? Why do we come? Why do why do so many women end up coming to you without pleasure? You know, I mean, there's a lot of answers to that question. Starting with our conditioning that women, you know, we have a lot of negative words for women who are sexual in this culture that we don't have. That there isn't an equivalent for that. For men right mm. like we're and that there's physical danger in you know she asked for it so if you're sexual and if you're connected to your sexual energy and you're a sexual woman and something negative happens or you experience trauma or abuse which the large majority of women are experiencing yes. um then it's your fault so there's like danger and there's shame and there's lack of education i mean even now in sex education in schools, they don't even show the external genitalia for women. Like, no. so pleasure is not, like boys are supposed to feel pleasure. They're supposed to want to pleasure themselves. That's just part of our culture. We know that, but girls are not. Um, so, and then we get like movies and now porn that show images of sex that are not pleasurable for women. So not at intercourse, all. no, no. So, um, so there's an education piece, like use like a woman's body needs to be fully aroused before penetration will feel good. And fully aroused does not just mean that the woman feels mildly turned on. Um, mm. 
it means that her whole body and energy has warmed up in a way that actually physiologically changes the vagina. Um, that the, the bulbs and the legs of the clitoris, which most women don't even know anything about, are like engorged just like the erectile tissue in a penis mm-hmm. would be. Um, and then that actually, so when the erectile tissue is actually um, engorged and a woman is fully aroused, the, the, there's a sponge that protects the urethra from infection. There's like the, the vagina lengthens and um, expands a little bit like so. And at that point, penetration feels good. Then there's also, it's generally too fast and too much friction. Like that's not optimal for a woman's body. And I think part of the reason that sex is like that is because people are so, sorry, so dissociated from their bodies that they need a lot of movement to feel something. And that the kind of orgasm that most people are going for is a very tension-based orgasm rather than a relaxing into the body. And so this is maybe, I I could just talk about this for a really long time too if I'm rambling. Um, Yeah, this is such a great, it's such a great thing to talk about because these are the things we don't talk about. Yeah. Going back to, you said um, about the clitoris and the legs and things like that. Gosh, I remember the first time I saw a picture of a clitoris and it was only a couple of years ago. I was like, how did I not know this about my own body? So listeners, if you if you go and look it up, if you've never seen a picture <laughs> of like the, whole, the whole clitoris and how actually big it is, it's not just the little bit on the outside yeah. <laughs> and actually if you can find some images of a of an engorged or aroused clitoris versus just a clitoris at non-arousal mm-hmm. there's a massive difference yeah um and a really good book for that is women's anatomy of arousal by sherry winston mm-hmm. she's got some great um images in there understanding our our anatomy and and not even just beyond anatomy, our energy system, how feminine energy works. You know, we live in a really masculine culture. Yes. Um, (laughs) The patriarchy, why are so many women having pelvic pain? The patriarchy, that, I mean, that's literally like, what that means is that feminine, the feminine, feminine energy, the softer qualities, body, being in the body, feeling pleasure, those emotion emotion that's all more feminine none of that is honored in our culture we you know like feminine and masculine are both good but in the culture we live in it's all about the mind and the intellect and having men be in power and that impacts women's bodies hugely it's interesting because you're saying it's like culture-wide I've recently come to a few sort of conclusions about that um looking at like baby clothes and things like that and I was like it's like hmm when they say gender neutral what they really mean is boys clothes you will never find anything like pink or feminine or anything like that in the gender neutral category it's usually just like clothes that boys can wear because it's okay for a girl to be masculine and to wear boys clothes but it's not okay to go the opposite way there's this real adversity to femininity in 
Oh, even yes. in young children, like yes, because I think uh, there's a masculine and a feminine side to everyone. Men and women have both a masculine and a feminine side, and you have to integrate both of those sides. But I don't think even for women, we don't integrate that the feminine side. It's just not because to be celebrated to achieve well in our culture, you've got to be masculine. Like that's how our culture sees success, climbing the ladder having a career, having a, it's just. Yes, yeah. it's all masculine. And yeah. I agree. We're all feminine and masculine and the, and the feminine has been um, not honored or valued in our culture, which is a big part of the reason so many people are in pain, mm. for sure. But then if you look even at the history of women, I mean, it, violence towards women is still happening now. You know, yes. it's not, and, uh, I really like the quote, we are the daughters of the witches you did not burn. Because what that literally means is that most of the women alive right now, especially of European descent, are the ancestors of women who survived a period in history where women were being burned, killed, taken from their families for being emotional, for being sexual. They're, you know, And the skills to survive that was to become invisible. To, mm. to not show your sexuality, to not show your emotional energy, to hide. And, mm. you know, I think a lot of us, and I still am working on this for myself all the time, are learning how to be, be who they are and take up more space and be, you know, not in a, like a dominating way, but just in a like the opposite of constantly constricting yourself all the time, which so many of us are doing and we don't even know we're doing it until we start tuning yes. into our bodies more. I was so big at that. I was so good at being invisible and so good at not needing anyone. So good at just never asking for help, never needing help, never taking up space, never just this like life is better if I don't get any attention because then no one can criticize me that's how it was kind of like how it felt for me (laughs) yeah and then you know right perfectionism and Mm -hmm. lots of self-criticism kind of all falls in that yeah and I think I think you're right you don't even realize you're doing it because it's just like this ingrained process it feels kind of feels safer that way too so Absolutely. And then the opposite side of that and what I'm experiencing now is the more you relax into your body, the more of your own energy you start to feel. And the more the more of that bubbling bliss in your body you feel all the time and it gets to be fun like, oh my gosh, I can feel this like really deep part in my spine or in my vagina now that I never even could feel before, you know? Mm. And that think that keeps life interesting and fun (laughs) it does I'm starting to get there not quite like I'm nowhere near where you are obviously but like I find myself now laughing in like just like in a totally like let go relaxed like way that I have never done before and it's like I would never just I don't know it just washes over me like a wave whereas before I kind of had to give myself permission to laugh and it's like I actually really enjoyed that like and I like I look back after the laugh is done I'm like yeah like like I never used to do that yeah that's beautiful 
And yeah, I, I feel like that's definitely a symptom of healing, just like spontaneous laughter and joy, even if the things aren't around you aren't working out the way you want mm -hmm. them to. It's like, it's kind of, I mean, we literally live in an environment of so much abundance mm -hmm. and so much opportunity. I mean, I know there's terrible things happening in the world, but yeah, for, for a lot of us, it's not that we don't have what we need around us, that we don't have enough love and support or enough abundance. It's that we're not letting it in. It's like we're actively shutting ourselves off from it in a way. Um, and so. I also think one of the things you said before, which I used to find really hard to believe too, is that um, we too often look for happiness outside of ourselves when it's always right inside of us. And I think having done a lot of meditation and things like that, like you really can find ways to be happy even in trying circumstances you know not all circumstances but like it's inside of you buying that next product or going out and doing that next thing it's not gonna leave you feeling whole if you're not listening to your body if you're not whole yeah yeah absolutely it's inside of you and and like we're we are love I mean as far as I'm concerned we are love and, and mm. we're running around looking for love outside of ourselves and when you learn how to tap into that inside yourself then it just flows and then yeah everything gets better relationships work um, relationships get so much better <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you're not depending on someone else anymore to make you to give you what you need to be happy a bit of that too and I think um I look because I look back at my relationship with my partner and I think I used to kind of be expecting things to get bad or be expecting like I was always kind of waiting for the penny to drop which it it's not true but that's just like that's how relationships go you know that's what I had in my mind subconsciously but I didn't really know that's what I had in there and so things get easier and they get better like you just learn to kind of it's okay for things to be good you don't have to wait for the penny to drop <laughs> yes yeah and a lot of that has has to do with being able to feel it in your body like you were just like you can let it in and feel that it's mm -hmm. good yeah yeah and you let go of those patterns from childhood very slowly <laughs> yes yeah um okay so we're kind of coming to a close I'll start wrapping us up I've really enjoyed this uh conversation so firstly before I do my closing questions how can people get in contact with you if they would like to explore more and perhaps work with you? Okay. Um, so my website is probably the best way. It's radiantlifedesign.com. Mm -hmm. um, and also I'm on Instagram, which is my name, which is a little trickier. <laughs> it's Lorraine Vandrick. Um I don't know if I'll, you'll probably have some I'll put too. that in the yeah. description for everyone <laughs> and I'll Lorraine, link the website. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> Lorraine Fandrick on Instagram and um, Radiant Life Design on Facebook. And also that's my website. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so if you're kind of, it's chronic pelvic pain, anxiety, depression, those are the sort of things that you mainly work with. Is that correct? Yeah. I know you do everything. I, I, but no yeah I, I specialize in pelvic 
and sexual pain relief. And also I have a course on reclaiming your sexual self. So that's even if you're not having pain, that's just like for women to really reclaim their sexuality after pain or even after trauma or other negative, you know, experiences in their lives. Even Um, just in general, the amount of of women I know who like that side of themselves just doesn't exist and they're not in pain. They haven't had pain. And it's like, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. So I think of it as a mind body approach to reclaiming your sexuality and pleasure, Mm -hmm. which is really like, and I love doing that. And that's, yeah. So, and also, yeah, anxiety and chronic pain relief, which is, you know, most people who have mind body syndromes are dealing with more than one of those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think anxiety is at the root of a lot of the mind body things. Okay. Yeah. Um, And now for my closing questions, which I, Um, usually ask so what are the kind of top I usually go with three resources or techniques and you can use pleasure as one um, that you would recommend to listeners to who are kind of on their way through this so I mentioned a couple of books already so I'm gonna Mm -hmm. highlight actually is for for connecting with your sexuality which I think is hugely important for all kinds of pain relief if you're a woman Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like Sherry Winston's book, Women's Anatomy of Arousal. Yeah. Um, and something I didn't mention yet is Peter Levine. Um, Ooh, yeah. so he has a lot of work on healing trauma, which is, um, and he has some great exercises in his book called Healing Trauma. He has some great exercises for just starting to help teach your brain that your body is safe similar to body scans but like more than just body scans yeah he's the father of uh what is the therapy he he does um yeah i think somatic healing i think that's what yeah uh somatic experiencing i think that's it somatic experiencing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I really like him. Um, and then if I can give a resource of mine, I would of say course. that I have a free pleasure breathwork um, recording on my website, which is really just sort of an intro to starting to connect uh, with your sexuality and pleasure in your body in a gentle um, way. And that is on my website. There's actually a free resources page on my website. Um, and that's one of the resources there. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, and lucky last, um, if you could give listeners any advice at all in relation to their healing, what's the one thing that you would um, tell what you would say? I would say trust your body and trust yourself. Yeah stop trying to fix it and start uh, listening and I think the trust yourself piece is really important for healing especially because so many of us do things that we kind of knew weren't right and we did them anyway because somebody because a doctor or someone told us to do it and so there's all kinds of people that can help you on your healing journey and you always want to run their guidance by your gut and really 
be the ultimate authority on what's right for you. Mm, I love that one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. trying to fix it and start listening. Yeah. Yeah. And listen to your gut. <laughs> and listen Perfect. to your gut. Trust yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, um, Lorraine, for coming and uh, joining us and speaking with me. Is there anything you wanted to add before I stop the recording? Just thank you so much, Felicia. It's really been a pleasure to talk with you. Um, and thank you for your podcast and the work you're doing to help educate people. It's really wonderful. Oh, thank you. I'm really passionate about getting the message out because I suffered for way longer than I needed to. And I think a lot of people do because we, yeah, you don't have to get, you know, uh, anyway, I'll let it go. <laughs> I could rant about that. All anyway. in the perfect timing. <laughs> yeah. When, when you're ready, you'll know. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. I'll stop the recording.